This is a little different than normal, so bear with me. If you got your Bibles or you want to follow along, we're in Exodus, I mean uh, Leviticus chapter 1. We're going to read about 10 or 12 verses from there. Leviticus chapter 1. Now the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring of your offering of the livestock, of the herd, of the flock. If this offering is a burnt offering of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it on his, on his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the offering, burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bull uh, before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood around on the altar and by the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into its pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat in order on the wood that is, that is the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. If his offerings of the flocks of the sheep or of the goats as a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. Now skip down to verse 14. And he says, And if the burnt sacrifice of the offering of the Lord is of birds. And then skip down to verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. Because I just want to kind of get all of this together. When anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and it shall and he shall pour oil in it and put frankincense on it, and he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, one of whom shall take from his hand, take it from his hand, and a, a handful of fine flour, and with oil and with the frankincense, and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And the rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron's, shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings uh, to the Lord made by fire. Uh, let's pray together as we, you can, Father, thank you for all your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to come today. I thank you, Lord, for each person that's here. I pray, Father, as you, as we study, as we study your word today, that Father, that you would help me to say the things that's only the things that you want me to. Only the things that are pleasing to you that uplift people. And uh, Father, I just thank and praise you for that. And I pray, Lord, that, um, that you just meet each need according today, according to your will. And Father, we know uh, of people that are hurting. And I pray especially, Lord, for the Chafin family. Um, Father, I pray that you just be with them. And many, many of this congregation don't know who I'm talking about, but Lord, you do. And, and Father, I pray that you just be with them and be with their families. They've lost their son. Uh, and the mother and Lord I pray that you just bless this family and Father I pray you just bless our time to, to, today together and help us to Father honor you in the things that we do we just thank and praise you for blessing us in Jesus name Amen Alright I'm, I'm glad you're here today I'm, it's good to see you and I'm really excited about being kind of have a little bit of normalcy about church and um, I want to get back to shaking hands and hugging necks. I really miss that. Uh, and it's just, I hope that the social distancing don't go on forever is what I'm saying. And it's good to see you today. Um, a family I was talking about, I taught out at Alexandria, I taught all four children of the Chafin family. 
and uh, all of them had graduated and the oldest son took his life and uh, in recent days and and they had just lost their mother about two weeks ago two and a half three weeks ago uh, and that family's really suffering so just keep them in mind and give them give your offer some prayers to God for them and um, so that's kind of been on my heart um, have you ever heard someone say make me an offer <laughs> when you um, you know my age group we looked at the buy sell bulletin and we wanted to buy something I think people do Facebook marketplace now and all that kind of stuff but if you're looking in that buy sell bulletin and you, you see the price of something it might say $3,000 or whatever and then it'd say beside it OBO what does OBO stand for or best offer now when, when you get to the point where you start to to deal with someone if you want to trade or whatever when you get down to what the when someone starts making someone an offer that's when it's about to get serious isn't it you know when a guy says make me an offer you know I sold a I sold a bowl the other day uh, and I think I've I made the offer too quick I think I sold it too cheap you know but I already told the guy what I'd take for it and he snatched it right up and bought it and I thought man I should I should have priced that higher you know I didn't but when you make an offer on something that's when it's about to get serious. Um, um, what, you're, what your offer is is what you're serious about and what you're willing to pay. You know, so you better not say something. Most of the time when people are trying to get in that conversation, uh, they're saying, make me an offer so that I can make you a counter, right? What are you really serious about paying? Let's see what it is. Let's, let's, cut, all, let's cut to the chase and see what you're really serious about. Uh, the true worth of something to you is what you're willing to offer for it. Now, a few years ago, we had the youth over at our house, and after they got through eating all our food, and, you know, we had a big group that time, after they got through eating all our food and tearing up our trampoline, we had a, a little, uh, I built a campfire out there, and we had a youth speaker, and, and I don't remember the kid's name who came and spoke. He was a young man. I don't know if he's going into the ministry or what. But he said something I wrote down, and I'll never forget it. And I said, I'm going to remember that. And I wrote it down in my Bible, and I actually wrote, I couldn't remember his name, so I wrote down youth speaker. <laughs> I, always, I write down quotes, and I write down who says them. And I wrote down youth speaker uh, beside that quote in, my, in one of my Bibles. And, but he said this, and I'll never forget this. He said, dying for me was the most he could do, so living for him is the least I could do. Now, he may have stole that from some theologian or whatever. I don't know. But I thought, man, that's worth writing down. Dying for me was the most he could do. Living for him is the least I can do. I thought, man, that's good stuff. That's how to preach right there, you know. Now, and I, what I want to talk about today is offering. Now, I'm trying to go. I, I, Cody, and him, Cody, Cody said he was leaving, and they were going to, to do some mission uh, work and needed someone to fill in, and I said I would, and, and uh, he gave me the option of carrying on what he's doing, which is showing us how Jesus, we see Jesus through the Old Testament plan. And so I said, yeah, I'll do that. I, that'd be as easy as me trying to come up with something on my own. So Cody said, okay, you got the first seven chapters of Leviticus. I went, the first, first seven chapters of Leviticus. Now, Leviticus is a tough book. It's a tough book. But it's all about the offerings and, and the bloody altar and all that kind of stuff. If, you, if you've read through the Bible in recent years or anything, if you, uh, 
if you've read through a chronological read or whatever, when you get to the book of Le Leviticus, you're just like, boy, this is a bloody altar. And so you have to understand what it is. And so I'm gonna, there's going to be some bouncing around, and I'm going to show you lots of scripture today. And I'm going to try to be as fast as I can without, without running off and leaving you. And I'm hoping that I don't, that I don't uh, in all my study, that I don't confuse you even more. And so let's, let's talk about this. Let me tell you what our theme today is. Your highest form of worship is your offering. You say, oh, Tony, you're going to preach on tithing. No, I'm not preaching on tithing. But your highest form of worship is what you are willing to give to God. That's what you're serious about, your offering. You say, you say well, are you talking about money? I'm not necessarily talking about money. See, the first thing that God did, the first thing that God did when he led the children of Israel out of bondage was to teach them how to worship through sacrificial offerings. The very first thing he did, even before he let them go, uh, he got them out of Egypt. He told Moses to tell this to Pharaoh. Let me show you what I'm talking about. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read these for you. Exodus chapter 6, our focal passage is in Leviticus, but Exodus chapter 6, verse 17 says this. And you shall say to the Lord, you shall say the Lord your God, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you saying. He, this is Moses talking to, this is God telling Moses what to tell Pharaoh, okay? Let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Notice he didn't just say let my people go. He said let my people go that they may serve me. Now I thought that was, that kind of struck me odd. So I kept reading. Chapter 8 verse 1 says this. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Chapter 8, verse 20. Then say to him, says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. See, this is all when the plagues are going on. The plague of frog, the plague of locusts, plagues of all these plagues. He says it again. Chapter 9, verse 1. Let my people go that they may serve me. Chapter 9, verse 13, same thing. Chapter 10, verse 3, same thing. Let my people go that they may serve me. See, God never intended just for him to let them go. If you don't know the Lord today and God is calling you to him, he's not calling you just out of your sin. He's calling you to have a relationship with him. He doesn't just want to make you not a sinner anymore. God wants to make you someone that's close to him, someone he can have communion with every day. In chapter 10 of Exodus, verse 24, Pharaoh had gotten to the point where he couldn't take it anymore, and he was going to let them go. After the three days of darkness all over the land of Egypt, Pharaoh says, and I'm going to read this one, read 24 and 25 to you. He says, then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, go serve the Lord only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, no. You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. See, Pharaoh was ready to let them go. Moses said, no, we're not going until we can take the herds with us. Because we got to have something to worship with. See, God's whole plan for letting the children of Israel go was not to just free them from their bondage. It was to train them how to worship. It's so that they could worship God and be close to him. God is calling you to a place of worship, a relationship with him. Uh, as a Christian, the first thing we must do is learn how to make sacrifices. 
God may be asking you to sacrifice some of your time. This right here tells us that we should come to church. It tells us we should. God wants us to sacrifice some of our time. He wants us to sacrifice some of our talents. You may have some talents where you, you can do things like you do at work here. You may be, have a very good business mind. God said, I want you to be in charge of some things. I want you to do some. Maybe you're a good teacher. God said, I want you to teach a class. I want you to teach others. See, God may ask you to share some of your talents. He wants you to sacrifice your time and your talents. What else does he want you to sacrifice? God wants you to sacrifice maybe even some of your tithes, the tithe of your income. You say, Tony, I know you're going to preach on time. No, I'm just saying that God wants you to share in the blessings that he has. God may ask you to share in all those things, your time, your talents, your tithes. He may ask you to do all that. Whatever you're willing to offer to God, that displays your highest form of worship. What are you willing to offer him? Now, let me just give you just a little bit about these, the burnt offerings where God is teaching them from Leviticus, our focal passage. And i got to kind of summarize it because sometimes when you, have, when you have a few minutes, go sit down at home and read the first seven chapters together. You say, well, that's a lot of reading. It is a lot of reading. And I did that. I read a lot of commentaries. I read a lot of, but you have to read this together because chapters and verses were not put in the original scrolls or the original. So you, they kind of go together. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 kind of go together, especially for chapter 1 and 2. And it's teaching them how to do the burnt offerings, okay, and the, the sin offering and all that kind of stuff. So when you read a commentary, there's about six or seven different kinds of offerings. But really, I think some of these are ways to do the one burnt offering. And then the, the sin offering and the... Uh, trespass offering and the peace offering are kind of different but the grain and all that kind of stuff I think that goes along with the burnt offering the different types of it. so go back and read it sometime when you have time let me just summarize real quick for you the burnt offering was the fine the fat or the fine flour as a sweet aroma to God it was what went up off of the offering that they made once they killed the animal it's what went up for God to smell it's what ascended toward heaven. Now, the rest of the offering was used for the priests and stuff like that lots of times uh, as a sin or a trespass or a peace offering. Well, let's talk about the procedure right quick. And as you can go back and read all this because it does a lot of, it gives you a lot of information on those first seven chapters of, of, of Leviticus. The first thing they would do is to kill an animal at the door of the tabernacle. Okay? Kill an animal at the door of the tabernacle with your hand on its head. Now, that signified the transferring of sin from you to that animal. Because the Bible says without the, uh, without, uh, the wages of sin is death. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so if the penalty of sin is death, then that was a substitution for you. That was you placing your sins on that animal. Okay. Now, second thing, they used the fat off the animal, most of it around the liver and the kidneys and all that, as a burnt offering. It went up and smelled good. It was kind of like you doing a... Uh, you're, you're barbecuing a Boston butt. You know how it smells when somebody's barbecuing a Boston butt, you know? That sweet aroma is what went up to God. See, God is a spirit, the Bible says. You can't see that aroma. You can see the smoke, but you can't see the aroma. And that's, that was the spirit form going up to God, okay? Then they used the blood to sprinkle 
on the altar and around the altar as a sign of atonement, a covering for sin. That's what atonement means, covering for sin. And then the priest, in some cases, could keep the rest of the offering. Uh, if you go into, if you don't believe what I'm talking about, you can look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. 1 Samuel 2, verse, I won't go spend all this time with it. I'm just going to summarize it right quick. But 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Eli's sons, Eli the priest, his sons did not perform the duty of the priest like they were supposed to. The Bible says they were corrupt. And so one of the practices they would do, and you read this for yourself, they would go in and take a three-pronged seething fork and stick it into while the, the sacrifice was after they had already used the, the burnt offering part, and they would stick that in a flesh hook in there and pull out what they could, which was their portion. Well, they were not supposed to use blood and that kind of stuff, but anyway, they would, they would get people to give the sacrifice before it was cooked and stuff. And so they did some terrible things, and you can go read that for yourself, uh, of how they profaned the offering. The Bible says that they, in verse 17, that they, uh, they made people hate the offering to the Lord. Because of the way the priest did the thing. They wouldn't do what they were supposed to. And so it was a very, it was a very important thing. But this, the remainder of that was supposed to be to take, help take care of the priests. According to Warren Wearsby, the term Leviticus actually means pertaining to the Levites. And these were the descendants of Aaron who helped perform the church duties of taking down and moving the tabernacle in the wilderness of people bringing in all these sacrifices. They didn't have time to work. They were, they were the clergy, so to speak. And so the people had to take care of them with their sacrifices and stuff. They had to bring food and stuff to them. So that's what it's for. Now, in Leviticus chapter 3, and back to our focal passage, Leviticus chapter 3, verse uh, 17, says this, this shall be a perpetual statute throughout all your generations and all your dwellings. You shall neither eat the fat nor the blood. See, the fat was used as a sweet aroma to God, and the blood was used as atonement for sin. The children of Israel were not supposed to eat that at all. And so that's kind of the, the offering in a nutshell. Okay, now we're going to get to the outline of what I want to talk to you about. How does it apply to us? Okay, how does this apply to us? Number, there's three things I want you to see, and you probably have it on your on your outline sheet. Uh, number one, if you got one of those, if you didn't get one, you can probably raise your hand. We can probably get some guys to pass those out. They're at most doors. Number one, all the offerings were for atonement. Okay. Number two, all the offerings were for appeasement. And three, all the offerings were for advancement. Now I'm going to explain each one of those. All were for atonement, all were for appeasement, and all were for advancement. Then we're going to see how this applies to us. So let's look at it right quick. Number one, all these offerings were for atonement for sin. A covering for sin. That's what the word atone actually means. I heard someone say it like this one time. Atonement, the best way to remember it, remember it is at-one-ment. That's what that word spells out, at-one-ment. At-one with God, to make you right with God. If your sin is covered, you are right with God. Okay, at one minute. Now, number one, they were made, they were, you were to offer a male without blemish. Now, this is a picture of Jesus, isn't it? A male without blemish. 
Luke 2.23 says that every male that opens the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be. And that is a quote of Exodus chapter 13 verse 12 which where God tells them all the way back in Exodus set apart all that opens the womb. Every male, the males will be mine, he says. Of your, of your children and of your flocks and herds and all that. Set apart all those that open the womb, all the males. So this is, this is all the way back to, to Exodus prophecy for this. Now, so they were males without blemish. That points us to Christ. Secondly, they were offered at a, as a free will offering at the door of the temple or the tabernacle. The tabernacle in the wilderness didn't have a temple then. They were offering as a free will offering at the church door. Now, I know people say all the time, well, I, can, I can go to church. I, I, can, I can worship God without going to church. Not according to this, you can't. Not right. You can worship God your way. But we see that that makes it a, a bad way many times. See, God is saying, bring your offering to me. Where? At the tabernacle door. Now, I know we give online and stuff like that, but that's not what God is just asking you to offer. God's offering, asking you to offer other things, not sacrificial animals, but he's asking you to offer your time, your talents, your, your ability to share Christ with others. He's asking you to do that. So it should be brought to the, to the door of the church. It should be brought to the tabernacle. Now, also, it was a free will offering. And Cody does a good job preaching this. And he says, we should never serve God out of guilt. We should be serving God out of gratitude. Not out of guilt, but out of gratitude. Now, there are some things that we do out of guilt. But think, I think about it like this. What if I was a soldier in Afghanistan or something, and a, guy, and a guy saved my life. He saw I was about to step on what he thought was an IED, and he went, to, he went and tackled me, knocked me away from it, but he himself stepped on it or whatever, and it blew, it blew off both of his legs. And he was in a wheelchair. I wouldn't go see him after that out of guilt. I would go see him, and he would be my lifetime friend forever because of gratitude for what he had done for me. And that should be our way that we worship Christ. That should be the way that we serve God because we love him. Because we're thankful for what he did for us. Not because we feel guilty because we're sinners. We are. This should be out of gratitude. So it was a free will offering. It was an offering without blemish. It was a free will offering. Uh, it, was a sub, it was for substitutionary atonement. And that, that's chapter 1, verse 4. They went and laid their hand on the animal's head. You are the substitute for me. Not only that, was it for universal atonement. Chapter 1, verse 10. When I say universal atonement, that meant for everybody because all of us are sinners. See, it didn't matter how much money you had. If you had, if you had cattle, if you had sheep, you had goats, whatever you had, or if you didn't have very much, he showed them how they could offer it in uh, Verse 14, if it was a sacrifice of birds in chapter 1. If it was a sacrifice of birds, you were to take two turtle doves or two pigeons, and one was for the, and it told all about how to do it. It tells all about you. You need to go read that sometime. About what to do with the one and how do you offer the sweet aroma to God and all that. And then the other part was the other pigeon or other bird or whatever was for the, the priest to use. Use the blood the same way. 
then even if you didn't have animals to offer, you might offer grain. That's why they mixed the oil with it, so it would burn. They mixed the, the frankincense or the fragrance with it, so it had a sweet aroma as it burned. See, it doesn't matter what you got. We all got something to offer to God. It doesn't matter how much, how talented you think you are. We all have something to offer to God. We go back to the originator of this, Moses. What did he have to, what did he have to offer to God? When God said, I want you to come and lead my people out of bondage, Moses said, I can't even talk. <laughs> my favorite scripture line in all of scripture is God saying, who made your mouth? <laughs> you think I don't know your limitations? God said, who made your mouth? Take Aaron. He can speak well. I'm calling you to go do this. So he didn't take any excuses from him, did he? That's what God is saying to us. I know every limitation you got. You can do it. Because I can make sure you do it. So God is calling us uh, to do these things. It's universal atonement. Substitutionary atonement. Okay? Now, not only were they all for atonement, number two, they were all for appeasement. Uh, to be pleasing to God. And that's where the burnt part comes. Warren Wiersbe says, Genesis explains the condemnation of man. Exodus shows us the redemption of man. And Leviticus deals with the communion of God with sinful man. Let me say that again if you're filling in those blanks. It's condemnation. Exodus, I mean, Genesis explains the condemnation of man. Exodus shows us the redemption. And Leviticus shows us the communion of God with man. How God and man can, can, can live together. A sinful man can live, have a relationship or in a walk with a holy God. Thomas Schreier suggests that the pleasing aroma that we find in chapter 1, verse 13, chapter 1, verse 17, chapter 2, verse 2, 2, 9, 2, 12, and 3, 5, every time it talks about a pleasing aroma going up to God, he, he says this, uh, that this pleasing aroma of the burnt sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God. See, it was God say, seeing that his people were doing what he asked them to do. See, when we do what God asks us to do, it satisfies the wrath of God. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, uh, the writer says this to the, to the people. Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen better than the fat of rams. See, God sometimes is saying to you and me, I want you to obey me. I, th I think that's why that was a sweet aroma to God because they did what he asked them to do. They, it was obedience. Our sacrifices and what we're willing to offer is our obedience to God. And that pleases him. So all these things were done for appeasement, to please God. Third thing they were done for atonement. They were done for appeasement. And the third thing, they were all done for advancement of the kingdom of the priests and the kingdom of Christ. Now, we already talked about how the word, the word Leviticus means pertaining to the Levites. So God did this to take care of the, of the clergy, so to speak. But he also did it to, for atonement and appeasement as well. The blood was used to atone and to cover sins. 
The blood was used to atone or to cover sins. The fat, the kidneys, the liver, and all that was burned for a sweet aroma. That was used to appease. And then the rest of it, once it was cleansed, was used for the priests to advance their kingdom, to advance what they do. Now, except in the case of when the priest was at fault himself. Then it was called a sin offering. See, they had sin offerings and they had trespass offerings. Now, a sin offering was worse than a trespass offering. Now, I don't know all the exact differences between that. I read a lot of it, a lot of commentaries and all on it. But the sin offering, according to uh, chapter 4, flip there right quick if you got a second, if you got your Bible open. Chapter 4, verse 3, it says, If the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has uh, sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. And he shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the bull's head and kill the bull before the Lord. And then if you go down to verse 12, it says, In the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out, and, and it shall be burnt on on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out it shall be burned now how is that different from the other offerings so here's a picture of Jesus too see Jesus was our high priest okay he's a person who knew no sin he's our mediator between man and God he wasn't killed he was not slaughtered at the door of the church was he at the at the door of the tabernacle like all these others he was taken outside the city up on a hill Golgotha and killed see the Bible says that the Lord uh, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us see when a priest sinned the whole burnt offering was totally different than when the priest was burning an offering for someone else when it was an offering for him it was totally different you know, when they did the peace offering, it was the only one where the actual person who brought the stuff to the priest got to partake of eating some of it and, you, and using some of it. So I don't really understand the difference between the peace offering and the tre trespasses, they said, was stuff like, like when a person sinned that didn't, they didn't know what they were doing, like touching a dead body or something. That was a, you didn't do that. That was against the Jewish law them to touch a person with leprosy or a dead body so maybe they touched someone that they didn't know was dead and they found out later yeah I touched that dead body so I had guilt and they had to go and offer a trespass offering for that kind of stuff and so yes there were sins and there were trespasses there were differences I can't explain all of them to you but trust me they were you can you can read it for yourself but when the priest sinned it was different he was taken he had to take what he did outside and there was no keeping any of that back you burned the whole thing it was all offered to God now what that shows me is that Jesus the high priest his offering was totally different now let me talk to you just a little bit about what I'm talking about the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians 5 21 for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him See, God placed all the sin on him. Sin forever. Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Not only was he the perfect sacrifice, he was the ultimate sacrifice. Really quickly, let me show you just a couple of things from Hebrews. If you got your Bible and you want to follow along, uh, Hebrews chapter 8. 
I'm just going to skip around to two or three verses. But we'll start with chapter 8. Hebrews is down around one of the last four books of the Bible or so. Hebrews chapter 8 says this, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. So what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do, some say it's Paul, I don't know if it is or not, but some say it is. But what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do, he's trying to show these Hebrews that there is another way. There is a greater covenant. There is a new covenant in Christ. Not the, not the killing of goats and sheep anymore. A new one, a new covenant. Now, look at um, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. So, but Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come. That new covenant he's home out. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is not of this creation. Verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all. Now don't, don't miss that line. He entered the holy place once for all. Remember, Cody showed us last week up on the screen and all how uh, the tabernacle had outer court, which was a holy place. Then it had an inner court, which was the holier place, so to speak. Then it had the holiest place in the middle. And that holiest place was only where the high priest could go once a year and offer sacrifice for him and all the people. And he had to do certain things and all that kind of stuff. Now, notice what he says right here. The most holy place once for all having obtained what kind of, what kind of redemption? Anybody looking at it besides me? Eternal redemption. See, Christ paid the penalty for sins once and for all. Not just the sins from past, but the sins that we're going to do. Man, that's comforting, isn't it? Chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true. Notice these are all just pictures. All the stuff in the Old Testament we're looking at is just pictures of the true, ultimate, perfect sacrifice, Jesus. For Christ has not entered the places uh, that are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Chapter 10, got four verses in chapter 10. For the law having a shadow, there's another word it's pointing to, a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of those things can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. The law couldn't make those people coming back and every day to that bloody altar, it couldn't make them perfect. For, one, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. He said if they could keep coming back year by year, once they, if it made them perfect, they wouldn't have to keep doing it. But they had to keep doing it every year, every day. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. See, the difference between an Old Testament offering and a Jesus offering that those covered sins. Jesus has cleansed sins. Those, took a, those covered up stuff, he just took them away. Not there anymore. He took them away. Thank God for that. Verses 12 and 14, last two. He said, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, 
sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. We don't have to do the bloody altar. One sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Did you know you're being sanctified right now if you're a Christian? You say, well, I thought, already thought I was. No, we are being sanctified. Sanctified means being made holy. And, I'm, and I, if you have a relationship with God, you are being made holier, hopefully, every day. You're being sanctified. Perfected forever those who are being sanctified. See, he's already made us perfect. We ain't got there yet, but he's already made us that way. It's pretty good. I thank God for that. I thank God we don't have to do the sacrifice anymore because we have a perfect, not only a perfect, but an ultimate sacrifice, an all-time sacrifice. What are you willing to offer to God? If you don't know Christ, you really don't have anything to offer God except a surrender. Because, see, God won't, God won't use you unless you first offer yourself. That's what the Bible talks about when it says the first fruits. That's how come God rejected Cain in his offering, the Bible says, and accepted Abel in his. So I used to read that like this. God accepted Abel's offering, and God rejected Cain's offering. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says God accepted Abel and his offering, and he rejected Cain and his offering. What does that mean? He rejected Cain, Cain's offering, because of Cain. See, I used to think it was because Cain brought of the fruits of the ground. He was a, I guess he was planting tomatoes and stuff, okay? And Abel brought a sheep. His had blood sacrifice. It wasn't what they brought. It was how they brought it. The Bible says that God didn't have respect for Cain and his offering because Cain probably didn't bring of the first fruits. We already learned on this grain offering, you can bring of your finest flour, and God will accept that. So it's your, when you bring an offering to God, you have to offer yourself first. So if, you're, if you don't know the Lord today, what do you have to offer God except a surrender? You've got to surrender yourself. You're the first fruit. And then your offerings God will accept. Now, Christian, do you need to atone for some sin? Do you need to try to appease God? Do you need to help advance the kingdom of Christ? If you do, God says, make me an offering. Make me an offering. Let's pray together. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. -on -one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, and what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.